Cool. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome Brenda Chen to Building New Realities. Uh, uh, apologies for my appearance as sort of Casper the ghost, but there's some kind of weird AR filter. Uh, it infected my computer that I can't turn off and I've just had to change location. And I don't have my normal studio lights. So anyway, Brenda, it seems appropriate that I join you as a sort of ghost uh, like character, given the, the, the field you work in. Um, you're really interested to find out more. Um, obviously, you're, you're an animator and you've worked as a broadcast director previously worked at wave but yeah lovely to meet you thanks for joining me i know it's uh it's late your time um but yeah welcome to building new realities thank you thanks for having me cool so yeah brenda why don't you give me a, a little bit of background tell me how you started in this field what you what you've been working on and, and and what you're up to at the moment and looking forward to next yeah for sure so i actually started off as a fine artist i was you know just drawing painting doing stuff like that um, and then in high school, I discovered animation. And so I went to college to study animation. But in my first year there, I accidentally wandered into a VR lab and tried VR for the first time. And after that, my world was, you know, blown apart and I just got hooked. And, you know, because as an artist, my biggest goal was always to, you know, transport people to other universes. And once I found VR, AR, like XR technology, I was like, holy shit, this is like a real thing. I can make this happen. And so I got hooked. I went on to YouTube and just learned as much as I could about VR, AR, learned the whole pipeline from 3D modeling to rigging all the way to, you know, coding. And eventually just went on to kind of create my own projects, made a ton of friends in the field. And together, you know, we created a lot of projects together. And so I was an indie dev for a while, just kind of building, you know, VR games and then also projection mapping installations, just anything I could do to combine art and tech to just make really compelling experiences. Um, and then later on, I, you know, bumped into Adam Arrigo, who is the CEO of at Wave at a party one day on accident. I'm always just bumping into people on accident and that's kind of how things happen. But yeah, I bumped into him at a party and he asked me if I wanted to work at Wave. And at that time I was graduating college. So it was kind of like, you know, the stars aligned and it was just perfect timing. So I went there and I worked for Wave where I was a, um, a director for the content side of things and also the broadcast side of things. And I got to direct, you know, Justin Bieber's concert, John Legend's concert, Jaws concert, and work on a bunch of other concerts and was working in virtual concerts for about three years. And then recently I actually resigned to uh, be a freelance creative because it was always my dream to just, you know, create my own experiences. And so I'm doing that now. Hey, exciting. Uh, and, and interestingly, I think our backgrounds are quite, probably quite similar in a lot of way because um, I started as an animator. What did, you, what did you start with animating on? What kind of packages did you, did you um, learn with? Um, I kind of did half and half. I was doing, you know, 2D stuff in Photoshop, which I know people are like, you shouldn't animate in Photoshop, but I do. And then also, you know, After Effects, doing like motion graphics and like Cinema 4D in Maya. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah, so I started as an animator and, and worked on promos and stuff and then wanted to work in a, in a field where you really got to move people, right? So it's like, okay, well, where, where can I put this art? Where's the biggest canvas I can put this art on that's going to have the biggest impact on people? So I ended up, ended up doing content for shows um, and, and then became a show director and a tour director, trying to put the biggest LED screens uh, into gigs that I could. And I was um, Fatboy Slim show director for 12 years, 
And, you know, we got we got concert sizes up to like 350,000 people. Um, that was on a, on, a, on a Brazilian beach. But then again, you know, similar kind of impact when you go into VR and immersive and sort of the impact of like, oh, OK, you know, for someone who likes um, pictures and feelings and and creating a, a new sensation, it is just the, the best medium. So when I saw in your profile, you were you've been a show director. I thought, oh, fantastic, you know, kind of lots lots we can chat about it in common there okay so I mean, in, I mean in terms of the projects that you're you're excited about and looking forward to given that you've you mean you've really sort of accelerated right to go from graduate into uh into an outfit like the wave that was doing very cutting edge kind of music creation you broadcast director there what are you excited about over the next couple of years in terms of you know, your art and obviously on the one hand you've got to get gigs to pay the rent but I, I think you'll have a vision for like where you want to take it. And, and what does that look like? Yeah. So um, I guess one of the main reasons for me leaving was as you know, I thought virtual concerts was super cool, but something I kind of missed was the freedom to kind of just experiment and explore any kind of medium and technology. So what I'm excited for the next few years is honestly just to experiment again just to meet as many cool people as possible, make new friends, just kind of bounce around, take new pieces of tech and just hack things together and see what I can build. I don't know if there's really one particular thing I'm super, super excited about. I'm more just kind of excited to, you know, be curious and like learn again. Cool. And as much as you can reveal anything about the kind of workflow you developed when you were doing virtual concerts, and I presume a lot of that came from sort of hacking things together. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously you're putting things together with mocap suits and translating that into live broadcasts. Uh, how involved were you in that sort of workflow evolution? And and uh, and what, what did the early steps look like? And what were the lessons learned that allowed you to refine it into, I'm sure in the early days, you know, like any kind of big projects, like shit, is this thing going to fall over? Oh, 100%. <laughs> how much sellotape have we got on this thing? Can someone chew some more gum, yeah. you know, stick it in the back? Uh, you know, that's that's wow. how any big ambitious project or installation starts. Sure. Here comes my dog. You might have Chewbacca sticking his head in. Oh my god! Hi, hi, Chewbacca! (laughs) Oh my god, so cute. (laughs) Um, Yeah, come on, out the way. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, as much as you can, it'd be interesting to hear about like from the sort of yeah prototypey days, lessons you learned, and how you allow that to sort of mature with the workflow. Yeah, for sure. So I was employee like number twenty. So I came on really, really early on, and so since I came on so early on, I got to see basically the evolution of everything. Cause my first day was their first time creating a streamed virtual live mocap concert. Um, and since then, like we've grown a lot and, you know, with any startup, there's going to be lots of experimentation because you can't create like an awesome project without, you know, all of the nitty gritty of like hacking things around. Um, And I guess like what I learned is in order to, you know, create something awesome, you kind of have to start scrappy and not be afraid to fail. Just, you know, throw as much resources as you can to kind of just figure things out and play around and not be scared if something blows up. And definitely like early on in our concerts, we've had a lot of like, oh shit, oh shit, this thing's going to explode moments. And like, we've had moments where, 
you know, our like lead software engineer had to last minute hack together our own Wi-Fi system because the Wi-Fi like broke down or, you know, like mocap exploded in the middle of a concert. And so we had to think on our feet and, you know, like turn the camera around to look at something cool in the environment and make it look like an intentional thing. And so what it taught me as, you know, an artist and a director and just like a creative in general is how to come up with creative and hacky solutions on the fly and to like keep my calm because I'm, I'm sure, you know, from working in like live concerts and events, you can't lose your shit. <laughs> you know, you always have to keep like a level head and just learn to like regulate your emotions, regulate your anxiety. You can't freak out. You just have to get your mind in that like calm state so that it can come up with like a creative solution. And so if anything, I would say I learned more about how to manage, I guess, my emotions and stress levels and like learn to think on my feet more than anything, like more than any technological or academic whatever thing. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a really good, that's a really good, no, no, that makes so much sense. Yeah, I mean, that. That, that's exact, and that's kind of I think part of the attraction of live events and putting something on that yeah. hasn't been done before. You know, every every weekend you're sort of stepping slightly into the unknown. Yeah, and things do break. I mean, the, everything's the, always breaking. Something's always breaking. Yeah, something's always breaking. And yeah, you are on the edge of of you know uh, you know the sort of adrenaline is is flying through you. You know, there's been a couple of <laughs> yeah. times where, where I've had hard drives fail on stage and, you know, you've got 80,000 people in front of you. It's like, okay, great. I'm just going to go up there and turn it all off and on again. And, and, <laughs> and, and in worst case scenarios where you can see something's broken, like dumping the whole live set from the external drive, just dumping it on the desktop, pulling that back <laughs> into the play. I'm going, right, well, yeah. I'm just running it off the desktop now. I hope that works. Um, yeah, I mean, when, when, when we worked, we had, we had a very small team, you know, we had a team of, of five and, you know we'd fly in with like four pelly cases into the into these massive shows as other people would turn up with trucks and like 40 people um but yeah that 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 learning how to regulate yourself and and work under pressure is is an unforgettable uh yeah. memory from those days very exciting um okay well let's 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 move on to the m word what does metaverse mean to you yeah, so that's actually kind of funny because I feel like the metaverse has been around, you know, like VR, AR, XR technology has been here for years. There've been people working in it, but I feel like people are just getting really hyped about it now on this like grand scale because, you know, Facebook released that trailer and now celebrities are just, you know, freaking out about NFTs. But to me, the metaverse has always just kind of been, you know, as, as an artist, a tool for just exploring things that you can't in real life. And so for me, it's kind of just like a cool playground for experimenting, you know, creating anything you want really. Um, and so for me, it's really exciting. And I think of it more as, as like a playground versus, um, I guess, versus a marketing tool that everyone else almost seems like to be using it for because like all these companies are excited about the metaverse because it's like a buzzword right now and they're like oh my god let me pack it full of you know my advertisements and all that other stuff which is like fine I think that's that's cool but I think that there's so much more that can be done in the metaverse outside of just creating a platform where 
you know, people can play games and like interact. I feel like there's so many use cases to create compelling art installations or there's a bunch of different use cases for, you know, the medical industry potentially, or just like so many things. Um, so yeah, I'm just really excited about it. Okay, yeah, I think, you know, it's an interesting point. It's receiving a lot of hype at the moment and like anything that gets a whole lot of hype and a lot of traction, there's just very crass conversations about the quickest way to, to, to monetize it or convert it into a, uh, a another part of the, the, the capitalist pillar. Um, so perhaps if we shift the sentiment of the question but keep it in the same area um, perhaps with a more artistic or creative slant is what does building a new reality mean to you in the context of digital experience hmm what do you mean by well so building a new reality is um you know it's essentially people giving pe people an experience that is difficult to achieve in real in real life or or impossible to achieve in real life. So if I give you an example um, within the context of a music experience I did or I, I participated in, there's and you, you'll have heard of this platform, platform called Sansar. Mm. And they did a uh, an event based on uh, a part of a festival here called Glastonbury, which is quite a famous festival. And it's sort of grown over the years and it has this area called Shangri-La. Mm -hmm. And Shangri-La is where all the crazy shit happened. But it would normally <laughs> happen at like between sort of, you know, one and five a.m. was like peak time in Shangri-La where it was going really crazy. And normally you would have had like two days of leading up to that kind of peak experience. But when they rebuilt Sansar, um, Shangri-La in Sansar, we were able just to, you know, jump in with our headsets. And all of a sudden I was there on the dance floor because uh, I could change my avatar I was like I was a shark my wife was a banana and you know we back to people from Texas and chatting to people from Miami and, and Australia and having that really kind of crazy dance floor soco loco kind of moment yeah um, but normally it would take you hours to sort of get up to right up to the sort of peak craziness and then would probably take you weeks to recover from but mm -hmm. because we were just able to jump in and out of VR or uh, digital experience, or we were building this new reality. It allowed us to sort of access this, what normally would be a sort of peak experience very easily, very quickly, right? It was like, okay, do you want to go to the craziness at, at 3 a.m. at Shangri-La? Bang, headset mm -hmm. on. Wow, I'm talking to people from around the world. I'm dressed as a shark, which I would never do in real life. <laughs> to access all these kind of yeah. states very quickly and then I could like take it off go cook dinner for my daughter and yeah. then come back and pop it back on and go I'm just gonna go and chat with Bruce from Australia for a bit so yeah. the, the point there that I'm getting to is you know that was building a new reality got you got you got you yeah like how do I I guess see it like how would I want to like build a new reality yeah yeah and so we don't have to talk about metaverse because metaverse is very loaded at the moment gotcha, with, gotcha. with kind of marketing and like yeah, land yeah. grab and stuff whereas the bigger picture is is is, gotcha. is okay yeah okay yeah so I guess for me as an artist another thing that's also really important to me is mental health and mm. also just in general creating happiness because I don't know I guess I feel like the world right now especially is kind of sad <laughs> and so as an artist I, I, I'm always interested in how do I create a experience that is not only compelling but you know spark some joy and so 
I would like to create, you know, experience that would let people detox and kind of like rejuvenate and re like reset from the outside world. So whether that be, you know, popping them into a land full of really insane, psychedelic, crazy creatures that just kind of make them giggle or, you know, transport them to just a super, you know, Zen virtual environment, maybe set in some alternate universe that has insane gravity or something that wouldn't exist in real life. So they can kind of shut themselves off from reality and rest and reset is kind of stuff that has always really been interesting to me. And, you know, I've, I've built a series of um, projection mapped installations um, that are rooted in reality still because it, it's a physical installation kind of exploring those ideas but now that I have more free time I kind of want to take that same concept of like how do I use this new piece of technology to that's super super immersive and use that as a way to create compelling experiences where people can you know kind of escape the stressors of their everyday life and be you know more compelled to work on their mental health and like work on, you know, stuff related to that. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying with that. Um, I often wonder whether whether more digital is the is is the answer to mm. mental health. Um, and interesting to hear, hear, hear your your view that, you know, the world's quite sad at the moment. I think that that probably, you know, I hear, hear that quite a lot from, I think, sort of younger generations. Um, and uh, have you seen any great examples of um, mental health apps or in, in immersive or what, what? I mean, obviously, you just describe what you'd like to do. Yeah. Have you seen any examples? Yeah, there's a really cool VR app called Trip with, I think, like two or three P's. Um, but I know a few people who during the pandemic, it's a VR app, actually, that, you know, has a bunch of like breathing simulation simulation sorry <laughs> and like just trippy experiences where you can kind of just lay down with your headset and kind of just like immerse yourself in these worlds and go through like meditations and stuff and I have a few friends who did that throughout the pandemic and they said that that really helped them to cope with quarantine and other stuff like that because especially when you're like trapped in your house mm. you can't really can't really go anywhere you can't really do anything mm. so VR is a good tool to mm. kind of travel experience things outside of your house mm -hmm. yeah that's a really I, cool experience. I, I tried i tried that chip app in the uh, when it first came out and i tried it again recently and mm -hmm. yeah it, it felt a little bit like um it, yeah it felt like a little bit like a sort of a, a play playground mm -hmm. i definitely think there's i definitely think there's scope for kind of more a bit more scientifically based breathing mm -hmm. apps i think there could be some really interesting um executions there i think there's a, there's 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 a lot of scope you know because because breathing such a simple thing to do mm -hmm. um yeah because it, it was quite psychedelic wasn't it and uh I, I mean i've done a fair a fair bit of meditation so i that's 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 how i find it a bit, a bit difficult doing those sort of med the meditation or mental health apps because it's like oh look more stuff more candy more kind of oh yeah that's more interesting. Kind of, more kind of input. It's like, yeah, that's, yeah. That's I need is, is input. It's like, okay, it stops me thinking, but yeah. it's actually helping me kind of focus or, or be nourishing. Yeah, that's kind of interesting because for me, it's kind of the opposite. Anytime I try to just meditate, 
I forget that I'm meditating and my mind starts wandering or I get bored and I fall asleep. And so I feel like those apps actually kind of keep me focused. And I always like have problems like regulating my breath. So I feel like a visualizer helps to kind of sync my body up to something. So then I start naturally like breathing the way that I'm supposed to breathe, but maybe it's just like different brains, different people kind of react differently. Yeah, for sure. D- certainly different techniques. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, there's, 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 there's a world of different uh, techniques out there, even for meditation, even for something as simple as, as breathing. <clears throat> Excuse me. What have you found to be the greatest uh, technical challenges uh, in your work, either when you were doing installations, when you were at grad school or, you know, when you're at the wave or, or recently? Yeah. Um, I think the biggest technical challenge is just like the technology, you know, immersive technology is just not sophisticated enough to the point where it's invisible. Cause I think good tech is so good that it's invisible that the person using it doesn't think about it. Right. So for example, when doing like wave concerts, like mocap technology, especially for live concerts, just isn't there yet. So, you know, you're getting weird artifacts with like movements. So you still slightly get this like uncanny Valley vibe and that will kind of take viewers out of the experience sometimes. Same thing with like shading and rendering. Like we're just not there yet where human avatars look like super realistic. So you still get this kind of creepy uncanny valley thing. Um, same thing with like VR headsets, you know, they're still too heavy. So I personally get headaches wearing the headset. And so I'm never hundred percent fully immersed. And so I'm still thinking of that extra layer of technology. So I think until the technology gets so good that you're not even thinking about it and you're fully immersed in the world, you know, it's still not, we're still going to have some kind of issues. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's valid uh, feedback, you know, early adopters and people that work in the field can be like, yeah, it's all great. And then yeah, you put it on someone yeah. and you're like, no, it's quite heavy. And you're like, no, yeah, shush, it's all that thing that it says it's yeah. heavy and uncomfortable. I've seen someone throw up in, in our VR lab at like USC. Right. Someone straight just yacked from someone's experience. Yeah, and they're probably like, okay, nothing to see here. Like this, <laughs> yeah, fine. They like, they've eaten something bad. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, that's intense. <laughs> yeah, nasty. Um, can you tell me about a project that changed your approach uh, to your field? Uh yeah. So I built a VR or not actually wasn't VR. It was just a projection mapped installation called Opal back in college. Um, actually, let me describe it. So you get like a full understanding of what it was, but I guess imagine just a 16 by 16 foot circular white mat on the ground with, you know, four pillows in the center where four people could lay down on the mat together, almost like in a flower formation. Um, And then above them, I had a large mirror hanging so that the people laying on the ground could see themselves in the mirror. And then around them was like a whole garden of like crystals and geodes and like LEDs in this like dark room to kind of make it like a Zen relaxing vibe. And then I had a projector hanging from the ceiling that was projecting down on top of the people laying on the ground. And it was projecting, you know, really cool abstract, just soothing animations, um, almost like in like a pool kind of like liquid fashion and the idea was that they were in an immersive light bath and I also had a connect sensor hanging from the ceiling to sense kind of like the movements of the people laying on the ground so that when they were moving they could actually affect the animations on their bodies and they also had headphones so that you know just pumping in soothing music and 
Um, I made this project as kind of an experiment to see if, you know, something as simple as projection mapping and projecting just colorful, beautiful imagery on people could make someone feel relaxed and take them out of reality, transport them to another universe so that they can like detox and reset from, you know, everyday stressors. That was just kind of an experiment. And I didn't actually realize like how much of an impact that that would have on people. Like I thought people were just going to go into and be like, oh, this is cool, whatever, like cool, pretty. Um, but I had people, you know, tearing up. I had people coming up to me and being like, oh my God, this was so transformative, like yada, yada, yada. And it kind of just made me realize like that there are multiple layers of immersion. So I always thought like, oh, you have to completely immerse someone with like VR, right? So they can't see their real world, whatever. And that is the highest form of immersion. And that's how you're going to impact people the most. And actually, in reality, it was this experience where people are still grounded in reality. They are like laying on physical pillows. They're seeing the physical world. And it was only a light, you know, kind of layer of immersion with the projection mapping. And that was so much more compelling and moving to somebody than, you know, a, a full on VR experience that had built. And so it kind of made me think about immersion in a different sense, like, mm -hmm. I think it's more about the content and the feeling that you're making someone feel with an experience that kind of takes them out of the real world versus like the actual, you know, technical medium itself. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. So that, that, that actually did something for your yeah. audience that you weren't expecting. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. That, that kind of like mix of, of meditative and, and, and entertainment in a way. Yeah but without there having to be a kind of uh, really blistering narrative uh, to keep people's attention. Yeah, when you um, were mentioning the sort of the opal and the, and the flower coming down, I was sort of struck by how that, that could be quite relaxing. Um, we're actually, we're working on, on a music thing at the moment and, and as part of the creative is you go in someone's head, the DJ's head and um, in their brain. And, and at points you have like the pineal gland coming down. <laughs> squirting serotonin on people <laughs> said, okay we need to change neil back gland needs to look a little bit disco ball-y but I, like the mix yeah, yeah. Of disco ball and and pineal gland uh could be quite interesting yeah. there was a really good installation um by uh mlf marshmallow laser fest called i think it's called something like the air all around us where there's like a big tree and you got to see all the sap moving through the ground underneath you into the tree uh, and then the, your own blood and oxygen through your body uh, <laughs> i don't know if you got a chance to see that i don't know if it was over in the states but it's a, ve a very good piece and just that mix between i think there's a real sweet spot between not like this is a meditation app yeah and not this is entertainment just kind of you know uh a, a, yeah. a relaxing space that just allows you to sort of drop drop into yourself a little bit and kind yeah. of explore. Yeah. My with, goal as like an artist isn't to like hit per someone with like this is a health app and we are going to make you healthy because I think when you say that people mm -hmm. are like oh healthy it's like almost like telling them like oh eat this dish it's it's going to be healthy you expect it to taste bad. Mm -hmm. My goal is just like to make something beautiful and compelling and then mm -hmm. hit you secretly with that this is healthy for you you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
which I guess all good art does, right? It, all good art makes you stop and slow down yeah. and makes you think uh, a little bit. I think, you know, our the way we've evolved, we're just all, we're just these crazy list machines that just love, love long mm. lists and like, give me something to do, give me something to do, which is why we're suckers for smartphones because we just want more information uh, and more dopamine, but it's not necessarily serving us, uh, serving yeah. us that well. Too much um, dopamine is not good either. Too much dopamine, yeah, not yeah. good. Um, just to touch on something we mentioned earlier, what, what's your take on NFTs? I'm going to be completely honest. Good. I'm conflicted because Same. on one hand, <laughs> yeah, no, because on one hand, I'm so happy that, you know, digital artists are finally being taken seriously and they're getting paid what they're worth. And I have so many like cool friends in the space who are just building the most insane projects. And I think it's awesome. But then on the other hand, you know, some of it is bad for the environment. I mean, like depending on the blockchain you're using. And also, you know, I'm seeing artists getting their work stolen and people are just, you know, assholes are just taking their artwork and minting it without their permission. And that sucks. Mm. And it's totally unregulated. So once someone mints your artwork, I don't know how you're going to get it back. Mm. Um, but then there's like the nerd side of me that's like, wow, this blockchain technology is super cool. There's so many potential use cases outside of JPEG. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm conflicted. Yeah, I, I'm kind of conflicted as well, where, you know, you, you see, you know, people who are in early just doing people who are in early and can't draw just going like, you know, drawing like stick men and going, yeah, but I'm yeah. in early, so I'm going to mint it. And you're like, yeah, but it's shit. <laughs> like, I get that, you know, it yeah. might have, you know, long term programmable value. And that's all kind of really exciting. But, you know really is it is it actually worth that but then you know i kind of said the same with bitcoin so i'm happy to be proved yeah. happy to be proved stunningly wrong uh yeah on this particular well, example it's kind of like fine arts too right like there's this i think someone duct taped a banana to a wall and sold that for like twenty thousand dollars or some crazy insane yeah. number yeah there's always going to be something like that yeah but i guess the way i think about it was like all right you somehow won <laughs> good job i don't know how you tricked people into buying your banana or how you trick people into buying your stick figure but yeah good job yeah yeah on the one hand you do just have to go well well done because you know you're putting the effort in and, <laughs> and actually going for it and getting rewarded like that you know fair enough yeah. whereas you know you've got you know people on the, on the side going i'm not sure about this it's like yeah well he just stuck a banana or she just stuck a banana to a, a lamppost and sold it for that so they're doing something all right <laughs> 